0: Is the Inside Edge, your home for Blue Jackets news and conversation. Here's Bob McGalligan and Jody Shelley. Welcome to the Inside Edge here on 97.1 The Fan. Bob McElligan and Jody Shelley coming to you from Edmonton, Alberta, where the Blue Jackets continue their road trip. They are going to be taking on the Edmonton Oilers tomorrow night. Jody, Blue Jackets are one and one on this trip, and it's a bit disappointing because of the way it's gone down. Saturday, they were able to beat the Seattle Kraken in overtime. They gave up three goals Uh, That allowed Seattle to tie that game, but they were able to pull it out in overtime. And then last night in Vancouver, really tough one for the Blue Jackets. They come out like gangbusters in the first period, score three times. Eric Robinson has two of those goals, and then they didn't play the same way the rest of the game. Vancouver turned it on they got one in the second they came back they got three in the third period the last one on a power play with just about a minute left in regulation and that's all she wrote four to three Vancouver wins that game they stay undefeated after their coaching change with Bruce Boudreaux coming in to run their bench and the Blue Jackets leave there knowing that they blew an opportunity to come away with at least a point
1: yeah I I feel that that's what it was when you look at that game you know, it was the opposite start of what you had in Seattle. They were jumping, they were on their toes, they were making plays. It seemed like Vancouver uh, had left a lot of holes in the, in the middle of the ice. You could see the Blue Jackets, that Wierenski pass uh, up to Texier, Texier's individual effort on that Robinson goal, uh, his individual effort on the Domi goal. Uh, they were clean exits in the first period. And then you get a soft one on Halak. So then you come into the second, you think, okay, you know the other team, Vancouver is, you know, not totally confident in Halak, and they're going to protect him a little more. They changed their game a little bit, but I thought the Blue Jackets backed off, and you know, Brad Larson alluded to that last night after the game. Uh, it was one that they felt like they gave away. Um, you know, unfortunately, and I also thought, to be honest with you. There were some lucky bounces for Vancouver. There was a few plays that, you know, the puck bounces one way, it bounces the other way, and it gets to the open guy in the middle. They keep momentum, and that's how they kept momentum last night. They were pushing, they got some bounces, and then they made some good plays. And, uh, unfortunately, they got that done on that power play at the end of the game. But for the Blue Jackets, uh, you know, that one got away. I liked how Wierenski, I mean, he had a couple opportunities late, but they were just a little off those second two periods. They couldn't handle that momentum swing, so – We've seen that now a couple games where the momentum, they held on in Seattle. Um, they didn't. They weren't able to get it done last night in Vancouver. But you know, there's. Um, it's unfortunate because I think the the biggest key to this season so far, is that they understand. And you go back to the the Carolina game early. It was in the first five games of the season, which seems like a long time ago now, but. They thought that they were just overmatched. They they said, "Okay, that team played really well. They outplayed us. They're they're they seem to be better than us, which they were." The next game was against Dallas, and the Blue Jackets left that game and said, "If we had played that way against Carolina, we would have we would had a chance to beat them." So they know how to play the game. Now to get on it, it takes everyone on the same page uh, and some rhythm, line after line. But last night you saw a little bit of rhythm and then some turnovers at some key times that allowed the momentum to build for the Vancouver Canucks and that's where you have to understand stopping that momentum swing means whether it's just getting the puck deep and cycling in the offensive zone for a bit that's a pushback. you know stopping their cycle game shutting it down getting the puck out and pushing back and getting a pressure on their goalie makes them retreat and last night they didn't do enough of that until it was too late in the game and then they just couldn't get it back And I also wanted to ask you, you talk about um, not handling
0: the momentum swing, but also another part of it is Vancouver, when they came out in the second period, they started to push. I mean, they were aggressive on the forecheck. They were all of a sudden – putting body on body, something they weren't doing in the first period of that game. And this is one thing that we've seen with this team. Whenever another team steps up and challenges physically, they struggle with that. They don't make the adjustments. Once the time and space is gone, it seems like as a group, they have a hard time finding a way to get it back, as you were saying. Maybe it's just cycle the puck in the zone, whatever it takes. But they they have a hard time grasping that when the other team is pushing Again, not just physically, but with the speed and the pressure, that seems to be something that they struggle to handle. Am I right?
1: Yeah, yeah. But I think they did a good job in the first period of keeping the puck off the wall and getting it out of their zone quick and clean. I mean, you look at the plays. The pass passes, head up, and it was all the way up to the red line in one motion. And, you know, those are the plays. Those are the – you talk about a first pass, the key of a a defenseman or a a winger that can make that good, clean pass on the exit or make the right decision quickly – you know, they kind of played into Vancouver's hands a little bit when they allowed them to keep the battle on the wall, uh, funnel through the middle of the ice, cause the confusion and coverage for the wingers and the defensemen with the movement. That Quinn Hughes play around the net, I mean, the way he went around, the way he fakes with the puck, the poise there, where everyone in the world thought he was going to shoot that uh, into Elvis, and he made an, uh, just a spectacular pass across the, the crease. So, And then the J.T. Miller pass on, on the power play. I mean, the, Gavrikov almost gets a stick on that. It's, a, it's an elite hard pass, and, you know, it's just that play that they had their confidence. They've had confidence coming in. They've won four in a row. They play loose. Uh, they, they're, they're enjoying their energy at home right now, and they took advantage of it last night. Well, let's talk about the
0: positives. Eric Robinson has two goals in that game, and again, uh, a line that I thought didn't play as well in Seattle. Uh, came back and was strong, as they have been all year. Sean Corrales, Alexander Texier, Eric Robinson, and especially Texier and Robinson. I think last night was another great example of the chemistry that they have between them and Texier making some really, really good plays. I mean, the first goal, he's getting tripped, and he's still able to get the pass off and get it into the crease so that Robinson can tip it in. Uh, it's it's kind of funny to watch these two guys. And when I look at Eric Robinson's numbers, I go, he's only got five goals it seems like every time they're on the ice, they have a chance to, to get a goal, one of those guys.
1: You know what? I, I'll, I agree with you for the first period, Bob, and I know, I know exactly what you're saying. We're looking at the bright spots. You go back to the first period. That line played well, especially Texier and Robinson. Um, I love Sean Corrale. I think he's been one of the most consistent players for this team. Uh, he struggled in the face off dot last night. We saw him not even take the draw at the end of the second period. They sent Boone Jenner out there and, and kept Texie on the bench. And you know, when he struggles like that or when he gets the opposition that um outplays him or out, out out beats him, outdraws him, I guess I could say. You know, it puts him on his heels a little bit. So there was that last night. I wonder if they were focusing on him and, and, and trying to do that with him. So, you know, there's going to be different lines that, that do different things throughout the game, but I think that that line has been the most consistent except for the second two periods last night. Really like the way they started and then the way that um, they approach the game. You know, they, they bring that professionalism. And Texier, to me, uh, it's, been, it's been fun to watch him play this year. And we talk about how he's settled in on that line. They know their role. And I think that's a key for him and Robinson. They really feed off each other well. Robin, I mean, Robinson's speed on that first goal, uh, he just knows where to go. And that play by Texier, man, that that was effort, skill, and, and his strength and will on the puck. Um, nice to see him get rewarded with that.
0: And uh, we are going to be joined by Max stomi here in just a couple of minutes. And before he comes in to join us, I uh, just want to talk to you about the two games he's had. I mean, and again, we're talking about goals. He's got three goals in his last two games. I know you can pick uh, defensive struggles there, as you just did with, with anybody in the second and third period last night. But Max is a guy that they expect to put the puck in the net the last two games he's done it.
1: Yeah, Max is a great talent. I mean, when he's darting around uh, and, and playing that quick game, he he makes his decision before he gets the puck, and he makes those passes so quick. And to see him get those those goals, get rewarded with those, is great. Because he, he's reading off of, you know, Roslevic and, and Voracek. And Voracek's a player – that has played with everyone on the team, I think, except for Corrali and Robinson, and you know, there's probably a method to that, because he can get players going, and we've seen him do that with other guys, he's been uh, on a line with, uh, you know, he's, he's had success with a lot of players, that's why he's uh, top in the league in first assists, with, with the way he sees the game, and generates chances almost every single uh, game, he, he generates at least three or four on average, so... Yeah, you know, he's there, and I think he's a big part of those guys going because not only the way he plays, but we see him all the time, and you see him too, uh, on the bus, in the hotel, uh, at the rink, in game. He's so competitive, but he demands a lot, and he sees a lot, and he points those things out. And sometimes as a player, as a line mate, when you have a guy like that who's predictable, or says, okay, if I have the puck, you go, like, stay away from me. I I need the space. It it allows you to hide and find those areas, and that's what Domi and Rossovic are doing pretty well. Yeah, very, very well. As I said, Max
0: has three goals in his last two games. He's going to come in and join us as the Inside Edge continues right after this on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge here on 97.1 The Fan. Blue Jackets in the midst of a five-game road trip. They are two games into a five-game road trip now. And Jody, when you look at the schedule, we've talked about the schedule the last couple of weeks. Uh, it is just—it's a weird schedule, and there's just a a couple of factors here. First of all, the Blue Jackets were originally going to go to Finland and play. And they didn't, so there was a five-day break that was built in early in the season. Then you've got the three weeks off for the Olympics in February. When you put it all together, means a lot of games in a short period of time. You also have some things going on back at Nationwide Arena. There's uh, there's concerts. There's also the uh, the college volleyball that's going on. So now you got to get out of the building and you wind up on an 11-day, five-game trip. And I was thinking about this, and and maybe. Maybe uh, it, it happened for you in, uh, back in the day. Have you ever gone on one that's this long? Like, even in your early days with the Blue Jackets, were you ever on a long trip like this?
1: I, you know what? I think we have because we were in the Western Conference, so we would swing. I remember, we would do that. You'd leave town. You'd come back two weeks later, and then you'd put your bags down and unpack them, and, and then you're done with them for a while. But now when you're in the East, it's pick up your bag, go, come back, drop your bag. Welcome home. Oh, we got to go again. So we've had a mix here of both of that. So it's been good. Uh, Hopefully, there's a reward here later in the schedule. I haven't looked ahead but we're at home for a while.
0: I don't look ahead either. I only know, like, this one and the next one for the most part, unless we're on a trip like this. Well, let's talk to a guy that is – he's also played in the west and in the east and uh, been all over the place. Max Domi is with us right now from the Blue Jackets. And we were just talking about this, Max, like from the time you were in Arizona and then in Montreal to now. Have there been many of these really long, like, two-week road trips that you've had to deal with?
2: When I was in Arizona, it was tough. I think we had like worst or second worst every year uh, for travel. Uh, I think it was Austin, San Jose every year. But like Jody said, I just kind of heard the end of that. Um, Like when you're on the road for two weeks and you're like, at least you know you're home for two weeks. um, But when you have like back to back to back long ones, it's it's tough. It's a bagger for sure. But. (laughs) I don't know. I've, I've never I've never had anything like this stretch, but it is what it is. Just got to kind of take it in stride. Well,
0: I'll tell you what, you got this stretch, this five-game stretch started off really nice with a two-goal game in Seattle to get it going. And, and for you, and I know I talked to you in Toronto there about it, or you feel like you're getting your game back and all of that. Obviously, you are, And but how much is a game like that good for you? Not just that you get two goals, the way that you get the two goals and the three points. I mean, you had to work hard to get that.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think any time you can help the team out and get on the score sheet like that, just build your confidence. I mean, I know it's, we always touch on the fact that it's it's about the team and it's about winning, which it is, but uh, on a personal note, you like contributing, you like helping out and um, you feel good about it, so um, there's nothing better than winning, don't get me wrong, but when you help the team win, it's it's a pretty good feeling, so um, we got to take that one, um, forget about what happened in the third period, two points is two points, and um, got to make sure we're ready to go.
1: I want to ask you about the goal in Toronto because sometimes people say, "Oh, the empty net goal got him going." You didn't. I mean, you didn't celebrate. The game was over. It was under a second left.
2: Yeah, I was pretty pissed actually because I looked up and I saw how much time was left, and I was like, oh, <laughs> "It's not enough time to get another one." But uh, so my initial reaction, I, I mean, you like scoring, but uh, it was kind of like, "Oh no, I can't get another one now." But um, no, I mean, but it, that carried over.
1: Yeah, hundred percent, doesn't it?
2: And honestly, like. Um, even empty netters like when you uh, when you put an empty netter in um, everyone acts like it's not a big deal but sometimes you're you're snakebitten and, and, and you, you, de- you deserve a score you're, you're trying to produce and it just as an offensive guy to get something like that all of a sudden it just it carries over the next game and then anytime you touch the puck it's like the same sort of thing when the analogy when people talk about the power play. If you don't score in a power play, it's not the end of the world because you have the puck most of the time, I like to think, on a 5-on-4, but in the zone, like when as an offensive guy that likes to have the puck, just like making plays, seeing things, all of a sudden you get out there, you, you get your confidence back after a tough first period, you get out there for a power play, you're feeling it, make a nice little pass, whatever it is, create a scoring chance, get a shot yourself, that carries over to 5-on-5, five five. so um, this game is, is is built on that and when you have confidence, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're Sidney Crosby or if you're Joe Schmull, like. Those guys, everyone, everyone needs confidence, you know what I mean? And it comes and it comes and goes pretty quickly. So when you have a chance to get it, whether it's an empty net or a power play, whatever it might be, you take that and you run. Because um, once you get hot, you, you, you do everything you can to, to keep that. But there is going to be times where it's the opposite. and It doesn't want to go in. So um, when you're feeling it and you're feeling good about your game, that's when you got to capitalize on it. You want to try and be as consistent as possible, but it's not always easy to do that, that's for sure.
1: And when you have teammates who struggle now, you're a veteran guy, been in the National Hockey League for almost 500 games, I think, right now. Yeah, getting close. You're really close. Um, do you do you reach out to guys, or do you just try to be a guy that lightens things up or distract a guy? I mean, I don't know. Some guys um, like, like it different.
2: Yeah, you, you know, I mean, I, I've always been a guy that's pretty loose. Uh, I like to stay pretty focused. I don't like to joke around too much, but you uh, can't take things too seriously, right? And like I said, it, it happens to everyone. It happens to the best guys in the world, really struggle for a bit so yeah. if it can happen to them it can happen to anyone and um a lot of us are a little too critical of ourselves i mean that's part of being. it's crazy athlete. right and and you're probably guilty of it too we no, all are, are. It's, it's, yeah hold this standard yourself i think that's so good and, and, it, and it creates an awesome environment really competitive environment but at the same time like you gotta let go you know what i mean like yeah. if, if you have a tough one or a tough shift you gotta be able to kind of let that go and then get ready for the next one um i mean I think that's the best way to do it but it is very it's easier said than done it sure. is so when when i see a teammate or something like that going through it i always just be quick to remind them just just keep going keep plugging away and it'll come uh shane doan used to always say that to me when i was in arizona i had the privilege of playing with donor he's he's such an awesome human being and a uh, uh, great leader on and off the ice but when it came to that stuff he'd, he'd just come up to you and you're like dude you're playing the best game in the world have fun stop squeezing your stick so hard and, and maybe a couple extra reps here or there before or after practice and Um, just think, simplify. Simplify your game, get the puck to the net, and eventually you're going to go in. And once you get one, they're going to come in bunches. And, uh, I mean, you look at Bjorky. Bjorky was, not that he was struggling, but uh, he came out of the gates so hot, and then all of a sudden the puck didn't want to go in for him. He was hitting post here, post there, crossbar here. It was just like, you could tell he's getting frustrated. And that stuff starts to accumulate, and it gets tough and it wears on a guy, especially when you have so much talent like Bjorky and high expectations. And then all of a sudden, you get a greasy one, and then you get super hot, and he's got, like, whatever, he's got five or six goals in the last nine games. I don't know, whatever it is. I mean, he's been doing really well. Um, so it just kind of shows you, like, when, when when you're struggling, you just got to stay positive and just stay with it. And eventually it turns. It always turns, but even if it's five, six games, like, it feels like it's an eternity, but it's not that long. And there's always ways you can contribute in other ways if you're not scoring. You know what I mean? So just remembering to do that is just something that you try to remind guys of when they're struggling.
1: I, I, it's interesting you talked about the simple focus because we talk about Texier all the time. Number one center to start the year. Mm-hmm. And you can relate to this because you yep. moved to the center position in that same position in Montreal. You're thinking of everything. I mean, you're, it's there's a lot going on. Your yep. focus is all over the map. And then he gets to put on, the, on that line with Corrale and Robinson on the wing. And now he's lights out because his focus is so singular. Do you, yeah. you agree with that? And, and he also got some empty
0: netters that helped him to get it going too. There, sure. right? Born. We were For talking sure. about that earlier.
2: And, and Tex is, is a really rare uh, player. I mean, he, he's a guy that can literally play and be just as effective on your first line, second line, third line, or fourth line. Um, he's got so much speed. He's got a lot of skill. He can challenge realistically real, real anyone one-on-one. Um, so he, he can really fit in anywhere, and he, and he's unbelievable on the penalty, penalty kill, too. I mean, I don't think anyone, ever, anyone realized how good he can be on the penalty I love there. him on the but penalty kill. But, man, like, he's he's outstanding, and he creates offensive chances. And, and you hear Jake Voracek, who I, I still learn something every single day from Jakey. Um, <laughs> we all so do. So lucky to have him. He's guys unbelievable. <laughs> he, he really is unbelievable um, in all kinds of ways. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, he um he would always say, he's like, man, like, if, if you're sitting back and you're watching whatever it is, like, that's not necessarily good. Like, sometimes as a forward, we're not meant to Defend. We're not the best at defending, so like lunge at a guy, go at him. If he's if he's got a lot of speed, you're always taught to kind of just retreat and pull back, which is actually the wrong thing to do. Because if, if I was re- reversed and I had the puck going full speed and I saw a guy backing up, I'm like, all right, see you later. But if he comes at you like in the middle of nowhere, it's like you throw him off a little bit, you surprise him. So I think Tex does the same thing on a penalty kill. He he attacks and he gets the puck and like most of the time guys would kind of just send it down, but his offensive instincts allow him to kind of have that like second gear of like, no, screw this, I'm going to go after the net here. And and he scored some big goals because of that. So um, I think, I know it's two separate situations, but it's just, it's the same sort of uh, mindset. And and it's doing, it's working really well for him. And then kind of to your point earlier about just um, what he went through. It's, uh, the word like thinking to me is just the most like destructive word in hockey. If you're thinking, you are not, at your best, because what makes us us is—is is there's certain things that get you here? You know what I mean. So don't overthink that. Just stay in your lane. Whatever, you, whatever you're told to do by the coach, whatever position you're playing, just do that. Do it to your best of ability. But there's a reason what makes you here. There's a reason why you're here. So remember that and, and just execute that. If you start overthinking things, you're—you're you're not the player you are. I could tell you guys straight up. I mean, I'm sure you guys all watched me last year. We're like, this guy's brutal. <laughs> I mean, like honestly, that's—that's well, that's, 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 you're overthinking say everything. That. You know what I mean? Well, you could think it, or you don't have to say it. I, mean, I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. So I mean, it, it is what it is. And if you're thinking you're, you're not doing your job, and um, it's just so hard, and especially because you care so much, we all care so much. Every hockey player wants to help this team win and wants to be the best that they can possibly be. So you start over analyzing every single little detail, and then just snowballs. And and that's when um, a, a tough five game stretch turns into a tough ten games or fifteen to twenty, whatever it might be. So just remembering that is is a skill in itself. And I think as you get older and you play more games in this league and you're around more veteran players that have been through that, you'll learn that, and it's uh, super benef- beneficial, and I'll be the first one to admit that.
0: Talk with Max Domi here on the Inside Edge, when you talk about all of that, it, you've played in the league for a while, as Jody said, almost 500 games, but on the same token, last year was so different in many, yeah. many ways, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you get traded, you come in, there's no fans. There's, it's, it's It was a weird – I don't know if it, it could be any more weird than it was. Yeah. To come in and join a new oh, 100%, 100%. team, right? And you weren't the only guy, Jack Rosovic, who I know you're very close with. The same thing happened with him and Patrick Laine. And it, it seems like a lot of people just went, last year was last year, let's just forget about that and, and get back to at least close to normal this year. Am I right?
2: Yeah, I think everyone, um, I mean, personally, and, and within that locker room, and last year has just been kind of a write-off. I mean, it is what it is. Not that I'm going to say it wasn't the NHL, but it's, it's really not. It's a totally different scenario for everyone. I mean, no fans. The travel schedule, the game schedule—like you're only playing against certain teams. It just, and and it's not an excuse. It just, it's just—it's a reality. It was totally foreign to all of us, um, and and it was unfortunate. I mean, we're lucky we got to work, we got to play. So I try not to complain too much, but at the same time, it was it, w- it was tough. And I mean, it is what it is. It's behind us now. I haven't even thought about it until you brought it up. So um, I mean, it, you just learn from it, you grow from it, and I mean, hey, you'll look back in the history books and say you're part of a. Pretty unique year, so I guess that's pretty cool. But, uh, no, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't ideal. But, like I said, we'll, we'll grow from it and kind of move on. For
0: sure. but, but a guy like you, a big personality guy, you get with a new team, want to get to know your teammates and all of that. Yeah. That, and that was yeah, one of the biggest sure. things, wasn't that, it?
2: That, for me personally, that was the worst. I mean, I, you get traded. Um, I mean, when I got traded from, from Arizona to Montreal, it was a little different when they got traded to Montreal from Montreal to, to here. Um, the, the one from, from Montreal to here was a bit of a shock. Obviously, I wasn't expecting it. Um, so it, it was tough, but, uh, he, the first thing you want to do to make you feel kind of at home was, was spend time with your teammates. Um, cause that's the, that's the best way to really just get acclimated and everything going on. And, uh, Nick Foligno is, was awesome. Um, last year, I mean, he's such a fantastic leader and, and he did everything he possibly could and, and he would reach out to me as much as he can just to try and make me feel like he understood what we were going through and what I was going through and, and he felt so bad and, and I have so much respect for Flea because he, he made such an awesome effort and helped me out a lot um, but uh, I mean, uh, we, we were all just out of sham, out of sorts. You know what I mean? And it was just, it was, it was a tough situation. And when you can't go to dinners or you can't go to lunches or you can't go out with the boys, whatever it might be, um, that, that stuff like it takes one night. Usually, when you get traded, you go one night with the fellas and you, you get after it, whatever it might be. And and all of a sudden, it feels like you've been on the team for ten years. When you don't have that opportunity, it's uh, it's trickier. Um, don't get me wrong; you're still spending time with them around the rink and, and this and that. You're working out. You're doing that. It's just it's just not the same. Especially when you got a mask on the entire time. Um, I, I mean, I I absolutely hated the mask last year because it's you can see half their face, you don't like even you guys. Like I almost felt like when I saw you guys this year, it was like I met a new person. You know what right. I, mean? right. um, I know it point. sounds dramatic, but it's just yeah, true. It's true. And um, I mean, again, I don't want to talk about it too much and dwell on it, but uh, it was it was unfortunate. But I look back on it and, and I've learned quite a bit. So it uh, it is what it is.
0: Blue Jackets forward Max Domi is with us here tonight on the Inside Edge, and we'll be back with more as we continue on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge here on 97.1 The Fan. Max Domi is our guest tonight, and we were just talking in our last segment about joining a team last year in the midst of COVID with all the protocols and how tough it was to really get to know your teammates and how tough it was to really get together and how nice it is to be able to do all of those things once again this year. You know, one thing, Jody, is um, the game has changed so much, right? And But that part hasn't changed. The camaraderie, yeah. the, the fellowship, <laughs> that, that, that's still so important here. I
1: think we talk too much about the game changing so much because yeah. when you look at it and what Max just talked about, that's the basics. Don't overthink it. You know what I mean? Have a singular focus, and it's still hockey. I know it's faster. We're seeing the unbelievably skilled plays. I mean, some of these goals, some of yeah. these things these guys are trying. For sure. I don't know if you try those uh, behind the net where they <laughs> scoop it up on the stick. Any I, of that stuff, have you tried that in game? or No, I have. I haven't. know you do between the legs sometimes. Yeah,
2: I've, I've actually yeah, flipped it over a goalie one time. That was pretty cool. Uh, threw it through the legs a couple of times. But flipped it
1: over from behind the net?
2: I, no, like I, I was skating on almost a breakaway and the goalie came out and I kind of flipped it over. Oh, you did? Like the dad soup? No, I literally just flipped it over the goalie. He came and dove and, and <laughs> kind of before it hit the ground, I, I hit in the net. So that was probably one of my cooler goals. Yeah. But, uh, no, some of the things these kids nowadays are doing are just – it's remarkable. Yeah. Right? I mean, and it's one thing to do it in practice or, or in junior, but to do it at the NHL level, in an NHL game, <laughs> it's just – it blows my mind. I mean, I, I got so much respect for it. Um, I think it's, it's a fine line, too. Um, I, I do believe there's a respect aspect to this game, and you don't want to get too far away from that. Um, and if you're going to do stuff like that, then you have to handle yourself in a certain way. You don't want to get too carried away. I'm a big believer in that for sure. Obviously, I come from someone that played in your era, and if, if you were to do that, you'd probably get your head taken off. So <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm kind of indifferent. I think it's I think it's cool. It's it's really awesome to see the skill these guys have, but I just don't want it to get a thing where it's too far away from what the game really is. Um, I, I tread, tread lightly on the, on the middle in that one, for sure.
1: Yeah, that's good. I mean, ultimately, respect is, is you know, you respect the past, you respect the future, and, and you, to play that in the middle, I think that's the way to play it. You respect the, yeah. everything that's happening and everything yeah. that's happened, and sure. I think that's definitely the right approach. You're, um, you grew up in the hockey mecca of Toronto. You played in the hockey hotbed of Montreal, and now we're in Canada again. What, what, what's your favorite city like to to go to? Like, what's your when you get back to Canada? We I didn't get to play in Canada. We get to see what it's like in these buildings. But can you give us a glimpse of what what it is? What's the pressure like? What's it like when you go to the grocery store? Is it is it really rock star status in um, Montreal, Toronto?
2: You know, I think the best way to kind of illustrate it for probably the listeners who are mostly in Columbus, I would assume. Um, think of like an Ohio State like starting quarterback like legend that's what you get when you play in Toronto or Montreal (laughs) Uh, and no exaggerate. probably more than that to be honest which is pretty crazy to comprehend because those guys get treated like absolute royalty which I'm it's great I I absolutely love that about Columbus it's super cool to see Ohio State and and everything that comes with that whole thing but uh, that's that's what it's like playing in Toronto or Montreal got to see with my dad I mean my dad's been retired for I don't know how many years a long time and you still can't go anywhere <laughs> no, without having to sign autographs and take pictures and stuff. Exactly. So, it's uh, it's cool, and and it, it's it's one thing. I mean, I've never really understood the whole pressure thing, to be honest. When people say, "Oh, it's so much pressure," I don't want to go play in Toronto. I don't want to go play in Montreal or w- whatever it might be or Vancouver. Like, it's it's a it's a responsibility that you have to to put on to entertain these people and to to do whatever you can to help this team win. And and you literally cannot take a second off because they will hold you accountable no matter what. And uh, some people might not need that, but for, for me personally it's 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 fun like you come to the rink and there's like you, you get that extra little firework inside you that's just like lighting you up and like let's go. like you know what I mean like it's every game matters and not to say that every game doesn't matter everywhere else i I hate saying that and and getting misunderstood because that's not what I'm trying to say. It's just like it's even more amplified. It's like a playoff game every single night, and uh, when you play eighty two playoff games it's uh it's 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 a rush that uh, you can't really explain so I mean. I was super lucky. I got to play in Montreal, and, and that fan base is just incredible. Um, playing at the Bell Center was is very, very special. And then um, I also got the opposite in Arizona, which was still fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, super laid back. Got to spend a lot of time with my teammates, and you kind of fly on the radar. Great weather, this, that. So there's there's pros and cons to both. And then you get Columbus, which, I mean, kind of a happy medium, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you, you go play it nationwide. Um, and I don't – I try. I hate saying this about every time I play for, because I've been super lucky. I have played for three great organizations and teams, but um, like the fan base in, in Columbus is, is fantastic. Like nationwide gets so loud, oh, and crazy, and when people come it? to visit me that are from Canada, and they're like, oh, like they don't even really know anything about the Blue Jackets. They watch a game, and they're like, holy, they got pretty loud in there. Yeah. I'm like, man, I'm telling you, I wasn't kidding when it says like this this place rocks, and um, it's just such a great place to live, such a great place to play. So I I really enjoyed it. I played in three awesome places, but I mean, like you said. Hockey in Canada is is certainly a religion, whether it's in Toronto or Montreal or whatever it might be. Uh, I mean, any game in the NHL is is a dream come true for me, so I I, I
1: like it all. And it's such a special thing, and I see you interacting with the fans and warm-up. There's kids there. You really get it because a kid watching in Montreal, it doesn't matter what arena, but Mm -hmm. how special it is in Montreal, the kid on the other side of the glass who is like – Every thread in that jersey, everything about that symbol—you know, yeah. same as our fans in the Blue Jackets—but uh, that's been around for a hundred years. 100%. I, so, and they've won all those cups. Yeah. So you see, you saw it there, and and when you're inside, and in the music video is—you're the star of the music video. It's kind of how, how I put it, you know. We're living, 100%. In, we're living in a music video, Bob. <laughs> but you know what I mean. You get it there, and then I see you doing it in Columbus. It's really, really awesome to see that.
2: Oh, I appreciate that. It's, it's, I, and I mean, you touched on it, but the. The respect for this game, and we're, we're so lucky. And uh, I mean, personally, playing in a place like Montreal, the the legends that have come through there, whether it's guys like John Beliveau, Guy Lafleur, I mean, the the, the list really goes on. And you and you're sitting there, and all of a sudden after a game, they walk in, and they come over, <laughs> and like your jaw just drops. And uh, my dad's always had a rule for me. He's like, anytime you see an ex player, doesn't matter who it is you got to go over and, and introduce yourself and say nice to meet you, whatever. That's just a respect thing. So that's kind of how I was raised. And so all of a sudden I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, I'm, do I go over <laughs> to say hi to Mr. LaFleur here? How does this work? Quick, <laughs> <laughs> I'm absolutely terrified right now. But that was that was super special, and uh, it was it was awesome. But um, one quick story about your point about the whole warm-up thing and, and whatnot. And, and, and the reason why I do it is because I was in those kids' seats, and I was lucky because my dad was on the ice, so I didn't really care. I was just there because I kind of wanted to be. But um, you can really change a whole kid's day, week, month, life. Essentially, you know what I mean, and, and that's a pretty special opportunity to be able to do that. And, and you're you're blessed with that chance, and, and you got to make the most of it. And um, when I was a kid, um, I always carry my hockey stuff. My dad would never be a guy to carry. No, I, if I was like, three I'm years the same. Or four years old, I'm I, same. I, I had to carry. No them. wheels. No wheels. <laughs> Absolutely zero <laughs> wheels. So if you're listening to this, please get rid of your wheelie bag. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no. So my dad never let me have a wheelie bag, and I'd always carry my stuff. Win or lose after a game, he'd always sit there, wait, and he'd take my sticks. So he'd carry my sticks. He'd be about two paces ahead of me. And um, obviously, I was always on a pretty good team. I was lucky. I played with a lot of really good kids in minor hockey. And uh, Toronto, minor hockey is such a big thing. It's massive. So, like, the, p- the stands would be packed for a bunch of 10-, 11-, 12-year-olds. And uh, so after the game, I, I'd again, like I said, I'd be walking out after I got undressed, uh, threw my tracksuit on, about two paces behind my dad. And this place is still packed watching the next game. And every single person in that rink, it doesn't matter if you were, like, 2 years old or 45 years old or 65 years old, they all knew Taiyomi was in the building, and um, they all wanted to just get a picture. They wanted to get a signature, whatever it was. And um, my dad always had a rule. Um, He would never say no to someone unless he was with his family. So in this situation, obviously, I always saw him say no because he's walking me out. And I, I would see, since I was behind him, I'd see the reaction of the little kid or the parent Um, after he would say no. And in that moment, they don't actually understand because they're just so excited to meet him, the fact that he's with his son and he just wants to get out of there. So I I get both sides, obviously, and I'm not being hard on my dad. I'm just saying the reality of the situation. And I'd see the reaction of this kid and it almost looked like he just, like, completely deflated. And I was like, man, like... I feel so bad like for that poor kid and 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 he didn't know cuz he just said no and he was, like he wouldn't even say no he would just walk right out with yeah. sunglasses on he was on a mission to get to his car um, which again I respect but I would see the reaction of this kid and I was like man if I ever get the chance to do what he's doing and walk through this I'm I'm never going to turn down anyone because I don't want to. Not that I'm again judging him. I just I hate the fact that you could you could literally make or break a kid's day. And I was like, if you get the chance to play in the NHL, you got to do everything you can to to make every single person's day, because you really don't realize how much you can do that. And so I, I I do try and do that as much as I possibly can. And I think it's something that uh, again I learned from not my dad's mistake, but just being around him. And uh, I definitely don't take that for granted.
0: I just wonder how different the story would be if it took you two hours to get out of the rink every game <laughs> waiting for your dad to take every picture. Exactly, yeah, exactly, right.
2: exactly. It works both ways, right? <laughs> right? So, I mean, again, I'm not being hard on him. It's no. just a, I had a front row seat of of uh, uh, initial reaction to these people. Yeah. And I just find it so fascinating. like, man, like... He's he's a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> people, people people love him, and it's uh it's pretty cool. So again, I, I'm lucky to play in the NHL. I've, I've played in some great places, and every chance I get to try and uh, hang out with some people whenever you can.
0: That's really special. And Max, not only are you a great player in the National Hockey League, but you have also you embrace today's culture too. I mean, you're you're into other things, different things. Yep. Uh, you do a lot of stuff on social media. You, yeah, of course. You have your own uh, kind of brand. He's a rock star. He's I know. He's with you, Tom how, Brady how, how, and Mark Wahlberg? I mean that's good. good nice point. to have him on our show, Bob. Yeah. That, is, that is true. Jeez. That is true.
2: Thanks for having me on the show, yeah. actually. I no.
0: I forgot how much it's gonna cost us to have you on the show. <laughs> um, but but seriously, where do you not where do you find the time, but you know, how do you how do you make it all work together? Because it's a lot of stuff.
2: Yeah, for sure. And and, and you know, you, you talk about guys like Tom Brady or Mark Wahlberg and these guys are at the very top of the world in, in their games, right? So again, super fortunate to, to learn from people like that and be around them. Um and, and just seeing how those guys handle themselves, it your your family always comes number one. And then whatever you're doing, whether it's football or acting or playing hockey, that's that's number two. And um it's 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 not hard to go all into what you're doing, um, but it's certainly pretty easy to get off track um and and especially when you have all these distractions and it's not a distraction in a bad way but like social media the attention and and, and this and that whatever it might be it's you just you get off track a little bit and the best advice i ever got was 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 from tom brady himself actually and he told me that um to prepare for every game there's going to be physical mental and emotional things and basically you take those three words and you can come up with anything you want and he goes if you're not doing everything in those three categories to get ready for your next game, then you're cheating yourself. And he goes, "I that's how I handle it. So he's like, in terms of physically, I'm trying to get my body ready to go. I'm eating stuff. I'm, I'm eating the right stuff. I'm, I'm sleeping. I'm taking the supplements I need to do. I'm hydrating. Whatever it might be. Mentally, I'm preparing for myself in terms of video preparation, both my teammates, myself, who I'm playing against. You mentally prepare that way. Um, and then emotionally, you eliminate any distractions you got going on. And um, it's the first time I've actually talked about it, I'm, I probably shouldn't have talked about it, but, I mean, it's something that Tom has shared with me that has changed my whole outlook on everything. And, um, I mean, when it, when it comes down to the bigger picture, you, you, you always remember that, okay, if I want to be the best hockey player I can possibly be, I'm going to have to do this, 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 and this. And then after that, there's all kinds of other time to do other stuff, but then you just slowly add stuff, and you go from there. You don't just look at it a big picture. You just kind of – it's like a puzzle. Mm-hmm. You slowly add things, and then that's the best way to do it, and, and I've been lucky, like I said, to, to learn from people like that because it does get overwhelming, and there's so many things going on nowadays, and um, you do you need help, too. you got to have the right people in place to, to allow you to do the things that, at the top of your game, and um, over the years, I've developed a pretty awesome special team around me that have allowed me to do that, so I'm really thankful for that, too.
1: That's spectacular. Well, I, that's great to share that with us. Yeah, well, there you, you know, go. There you go. That's, that's life stuff. People buy books uh you know they're on the internet trying to find out how how do i focus what am i am i focusing on the right things to hear from a professional athlete like that i think that's really great impactful
0: yeah Yeah, no question about it and 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 i'm just saying i'm listening to you talk about tom brady and i mean is this guy as perfect as he seems to be on television i mean he doesn't ever do anything (laughs) wrong he doesn't age i mean he's just uh, he's he's like the, the ultimate human being for crying out loud
2: he's he's unbelievable I mean, he, he's, he really is unbelievable, and you, you can't beat him. Um, I mean, again, like I said, he, the way he handles himself for his profession is, is second to none in all of sports, and then the way he is with his family, I mean, that's second to none, too. To be able to do that at that high of a level and be that good of a dad, that good of a husband, it's just like that's, that's no easy feat, and, and he does it, and flying colors so it's uh it's pretty spectacular to see and I feel very fortunate enough to know a guy like that and and definitely learn from him I, I mean I've looked up to him based my whole life um so it's uh it's pretty special but uh yeah That's
0: great well max we really appreciate you we sure do this is awesome it's right, great boys. to Great to see you playing well, and I uh, bet the conversation conversation is better than the playing, and, that, and you're playing really well, so figure it out. Okay, well,
2: thank you very much for having me. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Max. All right, fellas. See ya.
0: That is Max Domi, Blue Jackets forward. Stay tuned. We'll come back and wrap up this week's edition of the Inside Edge right after this on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge here on 97.1 The Fan. What a fascinating conversation uh, with Max Domi, wasn't it? I mean, that's that's got to rank as one of our top
1: five, top three. You know what? We've been lucky with our guests and I I agree. It was great to finally catch up with Max. Uh, you know, he talked about not really knowing us meeting us for the first time this year again. Uh, he opened up about his relate, his personal relationship with Tom Brady and and how cool is that? I mean, you know, Tom Brady seems like he lives in another universe, but here's a guy who appreciates that friendship and, uh, love the way he sees the game. Love the way he, uh, analyzed uh, just different situations and, uh, an interesting personality and and a, and a guy that loves to talk and loves to talk hockey. So uh, it was a great guest. I agree with you, top five for sure. Yeah, I
0: think uh, we forgot to ask him if he could get us Tom Brady or Mark Wahlberg, but uh, <laughs> maybe that's uh, for another a show for a future time, right?
1: Yeah, I, yeah,
0: maybe we should work on that. Maybe yeah.
1: in the new year we'll do that. <laughs> All right,
0: let's talk about what's going on in the league right now because here we are in Canada and a lot of things are a mess. Just look at last night, uh, Vancouver. They had. Uh, Two players put into the COVID protocol before the game yesterday. Their morning skate was canceled. They sent their media home. They shut down everything on their side. And then during the game, Tucker Pullman, he played the first period. And then his test result came back. It was positive. They took him out of the game. He didn't finish the game. Going to Edmonton next tomorrow night. So far, that's looking okay for the moment. But if you look ahead to Saturday, what the Blue Jackets were supposed to do on Saturday was to play in Calgary to wrap this up. Calgary already had games canceled through Thursday. And, Jody, then earlier today, even more people went on the COVID protocol. Not happening. The Blue Jackets are not going to be able to finish this trip. I think at this point you feel lucky if you can get the game in in Edmonton and get out of here and get back to the United States and worry about that Calgary game later in the season. But, boy, how that situation in Calgary escalated And escalated quickly
1: yeah you know what it did and and 17 members of the Calgary Flames are now on COVID protocol as of uh this morning so yeah that's that's scary how quick that went through them and you know we're thinking about them and and their whole situation with them and their families and and as we sit here now yeah that that's unfortunate the Blue Jackets are going to do that western swing and um, you know, this, this came up, and when you see a couple, you say, okay, because we've seen it early in the year. A couple teams have had two or three cases, and, and they've been able to call up players and manage the cap and play the games, but this is too much. This is uh, too much of a, a dire situation right away. So uh, to cancel that game, we'll have to make it up another time, but, but again, that's uh, unfortunate for, for that, the, the, whole, uh, the whole team and, and their families. And, you know, when, when I saw the other night in Vancouver, uh, the concern with the Canucks uh, pre- canceling the pregame skate, and then you know they got hit the hardest last year, if you remember that, and you could tell that that was still affecting them a little bit. So to sit outside the the uh, area where it's not happening, uh, or where it is happening, and and uh, and think that we know how they're feeling, uh, they looked distraught in the first period. I you know I I don't know exactly, but. When that happens and someone gets pulled off the ice, there's a lot of emotions going on. So um, this is more than just a case and you, you sit out. There's a, there's the family effect, there's the emotional effect, and, and there's the health effect of this. So a lot of layers, but the league is doing a great job with their protocols, and every team is, knows what they have to go through and have to, to, uh, to follow to, to get things back to normal, and we hope that uh, everything can just slowly settle down and, and the league and these teams and these individuals can get through it. You know, you mentioned
0: we'll have to make that game up. As it stands, you'd make that game up at some time later in the season. And it's a long trip for one game, but it brings me back to a couple of years ago. remember in Dallas with the Rich Peverly situation when the game was suspended and then that caused another trip back to Dallas. and And I remember that the return trip, not the incident. The incident was terrible, but the return trip I remember fondly because – Remember, the Blue Jackets are battling for a playoff spot. And all of a sudden, you look at the schedule and go, oh, this is great. Now you've got to go back to Dallas for one game before you go to Florida. And this could be the thing that sinks the playoff hopes. And it turned out that that was the game that clinched the playoff spot for the yeah. Blue Jackets. And it was a big night of celebrating in Dallas, actually. So uh, it's happened before. It'll happen again. And as you said, that is life today, not just in the
1: National Hockey League. It's life today in general. Yeah, and these incidents are are way bigger than hockey. You know, this isn't hockey, so you're right. That was uh, did, wasn't the score already established the point of the game in Dallas. Well, the game had started, and the Blue Jackets had scored, and they just they stopped started the game right day. there, and then they, went from they, that they point, picked it up from having the lead. So, yeah, this is um, this is what we're dealing with, and and hopefully it all settles down, and we can get back at it. It brings up an even bigger question though, and that started
0: to be asked in the last couple of days, the Olympics in. Beijing in February uh the players as of right now everything is still a go for the Olympics but Jody as this goes on and now there's rumors that if you get into China and you get tested positive it might be I've heard you could stay three to five weeks in China I mean that is just I can't see that being something that I can't tell you the player that would be like yeah that's cool let's (laughs) Let's take that risk. And and you could see, I know Connor McDavid was asked about it the other day. Uh, Jake Voracek was asked about it pregame yesterday. Um, You know, nobody's made any decisions. They're they're kind of waiting. We've all been waiting for like two years to see if this starts to clear up a little bit. And it has. And then it comes and goes in waves. But what do you think? Like, do you think these Olympics are really going to happen?
1: You know what? I I read those articles, and and I I heard – Connor McDavid, Mark, sorry, Connor McDavid's comments saying it was unsettling uh, that situation, and, and you know that's exactly how it is. I mean, it's, and I also read that the players feel like they have enough time now, before uh, early January, to decide what's going to happen. So they're going to see how this goes. We know it's a day-to-day thing. I did read an article that maybe the one idea was thrown out there to play the the hockey portion. In Seattle, set up a bubble in Seattle and play hockey in North America for the Olympics. Now, I don't know if that's something that uh, would be they would be interested in with the Olympics, but um, it's definitely you can tell that they are trying to come up with any solution to this to make it as uh, as simple as they possibly can. But right now, uh, as complicated as everything sounds and where we sit right now, I would I would lean and I would probably say n- I don't see how the Olympics could happen that would be really interesting if
0: they would move that portion of it somewhere else. And again, I don't know how any of that would work. I don't know if, uh, you know, I don't know if China would be fine with it. I don't know if they would have a choice. I don't know if that's the International Olympic Committee. That would that would really raise a lot of things. Um, if they could pull it off, it would be great. We know what a great tournament it is.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure that they would want to start that because then you'd yeah. probably have other individual sports playing it in their own country too or in, in a certain region. So we'll see how it goes. But it's, uh, it's definitely, I think one thing we've become good at in the last two years is being fluid, being able to adapt. And uh, I think that's what the story of this is right now. Yep, that's a great point. So, again, the Blue Jackets are going to
0: continue this road trip in Edmonton tomorrow night, the way it stands. We were just talking about everything. <clears throat> the way it stands, we plan on being uh, on the ice here in Edmonton tomorrow night. That will be a 9 o'clock face-off Eastern time. Pre-game coverage begins at 8.30 both on the Blue Jackets radio network and on Bally Sports Ohio. we would like to thank Max Domi for being our guest once again today. That's going to do it for this edition of the Inside Edge. For Jody Shelley, I'm Bob McElligot saying thanks for listening to 97.1 The Fan.